preach, and I thought, he sounds like a commentary. <laughs> but the only difference is I didn't have to spit out any bones. <laughs> I'm going to Isaiah 55. If you will have Nehemiah 9 marked, I'm going to do much more reading than I normally do, but I want at least set a foundation for what the good Lord has touched my heart with. So I want to read our text in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, and then we'll be going to Nehemiah. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. With that in mind, my thought process was taken to that text as I was reading in my daily Bible reading through the book of Nehemiah. I want to read verse 5, and then we're going to read portions of several verses. Then the Levites, Jeshua, and Kadmiel, Bani, Hashemniah, Sherehiah, I missed something. Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And I want to break in on some of the reasons they were given that Israel should stand up and bless the Lord. In verse 9, and did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heardest their cry and showed us signs and wonders upon Pharaoh. Verse 11, and didst divide the sea before them, their persecutors thou threwest into the deep, ledest them in a day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them judgments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders, 
But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. When they had made them a golden calf, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them. Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations. Their children also multipliedest thou as the stars of heaven. So the children went in and possessed the land, and they took strong cities in a fat land, and possessed houses full of all goods. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee. Therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies. When they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. Yet they dealt proudly and hearkened not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgment. Yet many years didst thou forbear them and testifiedst against them by thy spirit in the prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore gavest thou them into the hands of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. And when I was reading through these verses, this thought came to my mind, oh, that God would have them back. And then I have to think about my own life and people whom I have been associated with in and out and up and down, and that God is so merciful he would have them back. I want to say this, that God is a great God. And God is a good God. And God is a gracious God. No one will ever convince me any differently. God is good in everything he does, whether we are able to understand it or not. He is great in everything that he does, and he is gracious in everything that he does. I want us to go back to our text and look at it. It is evident that Judah has strayed away from the Lord, and God has sent his prophet to ask them to seek him and come back to him return unto him for he will have mercy and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. 
And I begin to think about how good the Lord really is to his people. Now you Bible students are aware that Israel primarily is in view here. And this passage and its context teems with abundant blessings and application and bountiful resources for New Testament believers at well. I am not a half Bible believer. I believe in all of the Word of God. And even though all of the Word of God may not have been written to us, it certainly was written for us. And here what we find in this chapter is a gospel message to the lost. In fact, I find no other chapter in the Bible that is more full of invitation than we find in this chapter. Now, notice with me, please, that God has intended his offer of salvation or restoration. I think restoration is the primary application here. But for salvation and restoration, God meant for it to be extended unto all. Now, notice how this chapter began. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth. Let me say this before I go on. You cannot outrule Holy Ghost conviction. If you'll notice what the scriptures say, ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth. It is my and your responsibility to preach the gospel, to witness the gospel. Amen. To write the gospel, if that should be his will. But it is the Holy Spirit's responsibility, and he will never fail to convict through the preaching of the word of God. Whether we see it or whether we do not see it, God is always at work when his word is being preached. And my, how we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that song we sing that we have sung many, many times, brethren, we have met to worship, but a portion of that song, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. And we are aware of that. We may be able to speak, we may be able to teach, we may be able to preach, but it's no more than words unless God puts the life in those words and how we are dependent upon him and need him. Now, as long as this word of God stands, and I'm one who believe it's going to stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. But as long as this word stands, sinners need not despair. Amen. God has opened his heart, his arms, and his mouth unto the lost to come unto him and to be saved. There is no sinner who can argue, I am too great a sinner. Amen. That's whom Christ came to die for. He came to die for sinners. And no sinner can argue, 
I am too great a sinner. No, I am not worthy to be saved. This Bible disallows that. Amen. Oh, who is worthy? That, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with it. He's worthy. And we're not saved because of anything we do or are. We're saved because he's worthy. And God never refuses anything that the Lord Jesus Christ wants. Amen. Now, watch this. Much in our text implies Judah straying away. Hence the title of our text. Let us return unto the Lord. I changed that. Now, the prophet said, let him return unto the Lord. And I changed that to let us return unto the Lord. And may I say it again. Oh, that God would have us back. Amen. He doesn't owe us anything. He sent Jesus on the cross to die for my and your sin. And he has done everything that's essential but then to send back the Holy Ghost to convict men of their need of Christ, to write us a book that is forever settled and relate to us his desire that mankind might be saved. Oh, is that one here this morning who has been saved and you have strayed away? You know your life is not where it ought to be. You're not walking with God as you one time did. You're not praying as you did. You're not reading your Bible as you did. The gossip of the world and the rudiments of this world has such a hold in your life. May I say, let us return unto the Lord for he will have mercy and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I'm telling you, we're living in such a day that to hear some, you would think you have to be a theologian to get saved. Amen. I'm telling you, all you need to get saved is to realize you're a sinner and you're in need of God Almighty and the Holy Ghost is the one that makes us aware of that. Amen. When I got saved, I did not know that it was forever. I'm telling you, well, I'd learned that it was forever. I didn't know that. It didn't matter. I was a sinner. I needed to be saved. And I called on the Lord and God saved me by his grace. And I've been saved ever since. Now you think about what a mighty God we've got. Don't come to me telling me God is mean and God allows all this. Everything that happens bad in this world is because of sin. Amen. God never intended for it to be that way, but it's the consequences of sin. God is a good God. But to think that God would receive disloyal people. Hey, am I the only one in here who has been disloyal at time? Amen. No, I believe there's others in here. But that God would receive us. Oh, I remember the night preacher in Titusville, Florida. I'd been saved a long time. We had visited a church or two and a pastor came by. My wife wasn't saved. She got saved that night. And so the preacher said, let's get down here in James and, and pray for, for your wife. And I thought, pray for my wife. I need to pray for myself. And so I got down and I said, oh God, what a mess I've made out of my life. 
He didn't owe me anything. He didn't have to receive me. He didn't have to take my life. He could said, you sure did. You made such a mess of your life. Amen. I'm through with you forever. But thank God he took me back. And to think that God would receive. Hey, Mabel, let me tell you something. That's been over 50 years ago and it's stuck. Thank God. I'm glad I know a God, amen, who tells us what he will do and allows us to experience all of these things. But to think that God, you say, well, I haven't lived where I should be and God told me to do this and I didn't do it. I've been disobedient. I've been disrespectful. I've been dishonest. I've defiled myself. Hey, you're a good candidate. Amen. To return back unto the Lord. Amen. He will receive you. He will have you. Thank God for such a wonderful Savior that you and I have today in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we're going to look at some arguments that Isaiah uses to draw the Lord's people back to him. Notice in verse 1, the invitation to the poor. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Everyone. You see it, don't you? Everyone that thirsteth. Notice God's plea. Ho, everyone, come ye, come ye, come. In one verse of scripture, we find all of that. I remember years ago in a tent meeting in Kentucky, Brother LaVon Boatner took this text and he said, I'm preaching tonight on ho, everyone that thirsteth. And here is my text. Hey there. And what a message he preached. Listen to me. Does this mean that God has stooped to the place of a beggar? Does that sound to you like God is pleading, almost begging his own people whom he has redeemed whole? Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Don't tell me it is hard for a sinner to get saved. Now, it may be hard to get a sinner to see his need for salvation, but it is not hard to get saved when that sinner sees his need to be saved. You'll never convince me of that. Amen. I don't believe in this stuff they're trying to get saved. I don't believe that in a minute. Somebody doesn't understand something. Amen. I know what the Bible said. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Our Lord is pleading with sinners to come. What does the Holy Spirit do when he come? Uh, the older I get, the more I like to go back to that morning when I was saved and when the Lord was speaking to my heart. 
And I remember how God had, had arrested me, how God had caught me, and others seemed not to be moved at all and with no desire at all for God. But I don't know what happened in my life. I had my life all planned out for that afternoon. Amen. I knew exactly what I was going to do when as that preacher got through, I was going to do my plans. But hallelujah. As the songwriter said, something got a hold of me. Amen. And I know what that something was. I'd never witnessed that something before, but I knew what it was then. Amen. And we know when God is speaking to us in this matter of salvation. And don't tell me either this is only for a select few. Even though there is but a few that will come, that's not God's will that a few come. Amen. It's his will that all come. Everyone here is what our text is saying. He invites everyone. The Bible said that he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Exactly right. I believe that. Don't you believe that? The Bible says on the negative side of that, that he is not willing that any perish but that all come to repentance. That is God's will. His will on the positive side, he will have all men to be saved. He is willing on the negative side because he does not want anybody to perish in hell. Come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now notice not only in our verse, God's plea, but notice his provision. He says, come to the waters. Notice that's plural, all right? Come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye by and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and price. So if you'll notice here, there's three things that he provides for those who will come. One is waters. Number two is wine. And number three is milk. And all of those are important in mind your life as a Christian. What does water do? When you find a man out in the wilderness, on the desert, he has been separated from life, civilization, lost in the mountains or whatever. What is the first thing they do when they find him? They give him a drink. You know what that drink does? That revives. So that's what God does. That old dead doomed spirit, God sends revival in the heart of the sinner. And that disobedient, defiled child of his, he gives him a drink that revives that spirit. Wine, what does wine do? You speak about it, you read about it in all the scripture. Wine rejoices or wine gladdens the heart. What does milk do? Amen. What would you do if you had a baby born and all you ever fed it was water? That baby's got to have milk. Because that milk causes that baby to grow. Because milk nourishes that life. 
I'm telling you, God doesn't leave us without anything. He gives us that to revive our spirit. Amen. He gives us that to gladden our spirit. He gives us that to nourish our spirit. And I said this also, here, here's water for enlivenment. Here is wine for enjoyment. I'm glad we don't have to wait to get to heaven till we can enjoy heaven. We can enjoy heaven right now. In fact, I've enjoyed heaven since I've been here. Thank God that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we have water for enlivenment. We have wine for enjoyment. And we have milk for establishment. Now notice something else here in our text. Verse 2. Here is an inquiry as to their welfare. Wherefore? Do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. What does that sound like to you? That sounds to me like God really cares. And God wants us. I said this to our church Sunday. I said, it's wonderful to know God. It's wonderful. But God wants us to enjoy him. We can enjoy the Lord. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We can enjoy him right now. And the Lord is here. God is in the heart and midst of his people individually and congregationally. So God has met with us. He is here and he cares what happens to us. Look at the result of all their efforts. Does God care? Oh, yes, he cares. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which satisfieth not? Everything you've got, you're spending it. We would say today you're blowing it, you're wasting it, and you're not getting any satisfaction out of it at all. And then you're laboring and you're working, you're extending your efforts and nothing worth talking about is coming out of all of that. Look where you are. Look what is happening in your life. How wonderful it is that occasionally we stop and we take inventory of our life. Amen. Where we are, what's going on in our life. Do we sense a little less joy and a little less happiness, and a little less peace in our heart and our life. This is what he's saying to him here. Take into consideration what is going on. You plan, you purpose, you pursue, you give it everything you've got, but all of it is to no avail. There is nothing that satisfies you bodily wise. There is nothing that satisfies your soul Everything you're doing, you're working, you're trying, you're trying this, you're trying that, and all of it is up a one-way street, and you end up, or a dead-end street, excuse me, you end up here with nothing and all the labor and toil. Isn't it sad that the lives, and I said this to our church not long ago, how awful it is to just throw a good life away. God has given us a life. He's given us help. He's given us strength. He wants us to serve him and just throw it away. 
on ourselves, on our flesh, on whatever it's on. Just waste it. Hey, God's going to hold us accountable with what he has given us to serve him with when we stand before him. God said, stop. Hey, take, take note of yourself. Where are you here? You're laboring. You're working. You're giving everything you've got. Nothing's happening to bring any peace and enjoy in your life. I said this. I preached in our church not long ago on true riches. What riches really are. And preacher, I believe I can say this about this congregation this morning. I looked out over our church and I said, I'm looking into the face of some of the richest people on the face of the earth. Oh, that doesn't mean they have large bank accounts. Some of them probably don't even have a bank account. But you're rich. What you have, the world is striving to have. They are spending to have. They're working to have. They are entertaining to have. But they all get up the next morning just as dead and dry as they were when they went to bed that night. But hallelujah to God. But the Lord can give you peace and that passeth all understanding and a joy that is un... You can't tell anybody what it's like to be saved. You can't tell anybody what it's like to walk with the Lord. Amen. Laddie, you did a good job, brother, but I'm, you just can't tell it. Amen. Now you can express it outwardly and everything, but, but there's something about walking with God and having a peace and knowing, amen, that if I don't wake up in this life, I'm gonna wake up in a, in a better life. I'm gonna wake up in another world. Now, all the money in the world cannot buy that. All the money in the world. God said, look at yourself. Look where you are. And you've gained nothing. We must diligently listen to his offer. We must digest, take in what he has to say. We must delight ourselves in that which brings spiritual pleasure. I never wake up after a good meeting like this and see if I drove my car home last night. I I had an uncle that said many times I've gotten up, James, and looked out the window to see if I drove my car home last night. I've never woken, I've never awakened on a morning after a good meeting like this and wondered where all my money went. That's right. I never awakened, wondered where I'd been. Never awakened, wondered what I've done. You, you, just, you just can't top this thing. I mean, it's the best thing in the world. Amen. I wouldn't be a sinner. I wouldn't be lost. I wouldn't be a sinner for anything in this world. The older I get, the happier I am that I'm saved, that I know God and the reality of the Lord living in our heart and life. Amen. Amen. They can have the world. They can have everything they've got. Give me Jesus. He, he's it. He's my life. I'd rather have the Lord and be saved as anything that I know. 
There is nothing like him. And there's nobody like him. One word, one word and I'm done. I heard a preacher say one time, sheep will starve to death on goat feed. I'm glad I've been eating sheep food. God has rained it down from heaven. 